Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, December 27th. This is episode number 179. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Hi, Rod. Super pumped to talk about that awesome game we watched on Sunday. Oh, wasn't it great? I or mean, Saturday. Saturday. It was Saturday, it was Saturday right? God, it was thank, Saturday. Thank, thank God it didn't ruin our Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it was Saturday. I'm glad we didn't watch it on, on Christmas. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was debating whether we should, you know, talk Browns or whether we should talk weather and the fact that it's going to get nicer again. Yeah. You know, what would be more fun to talk about. But um, at, at least with the weather, when it gets shitty, you know, it's going to get better eventually. Um, the Browns got <laughs> shitty 25 years ago and they still haven't gotten better. This is true. This is true. Well, let's let's bring in our guest. Our guest is Redleg. You can follow him at RedlegGI on Twitter. He's a contributor at uh, at the Dogs Table. You can follow find them at Dogs Table. Hey, Redleg, how are things going? Hey, guys, going good. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Doing great. I appreciate you joining us. Um, look forward to talking some Browns and um, maybe hearing hearing. Uh, hearing some things from you because because you were at this game so yeah uh, so yeah you got uh, um i don't know i don't know about stories but i guess an experience <laughs> to tell us about anyways um so we're going to get into all that but uh, before so, we so do i have a quick question rod the game was saturday and this is tuesday red leg can you feel your toes yet yeah i'd be getting there finally <laughs> some more uh, some more um vital organs finally defrosted so you know making it <laughs> yeah no kidding uh geez so um so yeah we we do this little blitz beverages segment guys i just i'm just going to talk about um the beer i'm drinking real quick um because i don't think you guys uh are drinking anything other than water or anything to speak of right so so Great. um I just happened to grab this, and this is out of the the 24 pack of various beers that I bought before Christmas. Um, this is a a Carbach Brewing Company Yule, and it's Y U L E. You'll shoot your eye out, and it's got a picture of the leg <laughs> nice. lamp on the front of it. Um, and I, it doesn't even say what kind of beer it is, honestly. It's a 5.6 percent, but it's it's like one of those label purchases, you know. Um, yeah. It it tastes pretty story. Good. Yeah, it's more about the story, but um, it's it's not a bad beer, but um, but it's just it's pretty cool looking can. It's red and green for Christmas, and and it says you'll shoot your eye out. So, thought everybody yes. would in Cleveland would appreciate that, and um, I'm just going to be working on that while we're talking today. I'm checking that on the, their their page, and it's it's very festive looking. It is, like it. yeah, it's cool. I'm trying to figure out what kind of beer it actually is. It says something on the back about fragile, and I don't even know what that <laughs> means. So I I don't know. I'm I'm just going to cut it off there, guys, and we're going to move on to other stuff uh, before I sound hey, foolish. Talking, you know about the uh, the the Christmas Story House is actually for sale, Rod. Um, you know, it's been operated as a museum more or less for years, but um, I guess they're kind of tired of operating it, so they're selling that the house. Yeah. Um, 
I'm thinking there might be a business opportunity there with a microbrewery. Huh. You could do leg wow. lamp beers all day long. Yeah, leg I mean, lamp you got, beers. Yeah. <laughs> you got I mean cuz I think you get the, you get the house, the museum which is across the street and then um the Bumpus's house next door. Um, there's quite a lot of property up there from, you know, I was up there with the family back in, uh, I think September, just kind of check it out. But I was there, uh, in 21 or 2019, checking the property out too, just kind of, you know, visiting the museum, that kind of stuff. So hey, definitely yeah. plenty of room. There you go. You might have something there, Jeff. And I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a business opportunity right now. So if anybody wants to partner up on something like that, just hit me up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked at what microbreweries uh, cost to start up, and I'm not going to do that by myself. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it's, um, yeah, that'd be really cool, though. I think people would like that because microbreweries are popping up everywhere, and they, they all seem to be doing okay, um, from what I've seen, anyways. The ones I've checked. Pretty hard, hard to lose money in that in that endeavor. Yeah, it feels we've. Like uh, We've got, you know, I, you guys know in the middle of nowhere. I'm cornfields, you know, out in Coldwater up here. And, you know, Coldwater's got one called Tailspin. And there's another one out in, further in the cornfields called, you know, Muller's Brew Barn. And, you know, you see, you're seeing their stuff locally everywhere. So, I mean, it's just, they must be popular enough to, you know, keep going. So, yeah, yeah. the Muller's Brew Barn is in what, what little town's that in? Uh, gosh, it could be uh, Maria Stein. Maria could, Stein, isn't it? It could okay. be Mary, yeah. yeah I, I'm not sure. I need to look them up. But you, you, if you drive down some road, you see the brew bar. I'm like, oh, brew. Yeah, I think it's Maria <laughs> Stein. Yeah, yeah, because they talk about that because they just opened uh, a Muller Brew Bar in downtown Dayton, and then there's one in Troy too. So, oh, nice. But right I, on. I've been to the one downtown Dayton, anyways. But um, I, I know about cold water. I've, I've been there, and um, the only, the best thing I know about cold water is. Uh, a job I had um, a while back, um, one of the loan officers worked out of uh, out of Coldwater. And when he came into our office in Cincinnati, he brought donuts from the Coldwater Bakery. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they, they were about as big as my head. Yep. <laughs> Dude, yeah, those those donuts are known. And if you like so I so I live in town, obviously. And uh, if I'm working somewhere and I start to like who I'm working with. Which usually I'm a nice guy, you know. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll pick up a dozen donuts every so often, and I take them there, and people just would love them. And they're like, "Where are these from?" I'm like, "Oh, it's a home bakery in Coldwater." I'm like, "Oh my god," <laughs> you know. So they they definitely yeah. have that reputation. Yeah, all I know is next time I'm in Coldwater because I haven't been there in a long time, and if if I go to Coldwater, I'm stopping there. Um, that's yeah. probably gonna be my first stop. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so um, Redleg, we like to uh, to give guests a chance to talk about their journey as a Browns fan, um, and you've had uh, a pretty interesting one, and that's just within the last few days. So um, I'm going to turn it over to you, and whatever you want to share as far as uh, your life as a Browns fan and how that came to be, or, or uh, stories, or favorite players, anything yeah, you want to share. Yeah, sure. Of course. All right. So I'll take the reins here, of course. Uh, so I'm a child of the 80s. Uh, I was born in 83. So the first memories I have of the Browns are, you know, through my family, with my grandfather's big Browns fan, who then passed along to my mother, and then, of course, to me. 
And so it's like, you know, Webster Slaughter, Bernie Kosar, um, you know, Kevin Mack, Clay, you know, th- that kind of year. That's when I kind of was aware of the Browns. Um, and then kind of later on, probably 90, 91, 92, somewhere in there is where I really started to kind of really become a, a Browns fan, not just simply aware with like, you know, Vinny Testaverde, um, Leroy Horde, um, you know, and th- that kind of generation. Uh, Testaverde was my favorite quarterback. I loved him back then. And so as a fan, uh, you know, until they left, um, I was a fan while they were gone, but I, had to, I liked football, so I ended up watching Tampa Bay. This is before they got good. You know, talk like Mike Allstott and those kind of guys before they really got good. And then so when the Browns came back, came back to the Browns fandom, um, got to watch the Tampa Bay go to Super Bowl. It's kind of it's kind of cool, but it's like, yeah, it's not really your team. So I got yeah. some, some, some pretty close feelings, but not quite there. Um, kind of, to be honest, there for a while, um, uh, what, so I joined the army in 2000, a little bit about this, joined the army in 2006, um, and kind of those few years before, kind of after it kind of became like, uh, you'd hear about, the, I did kind of like casual fan, really kind of hear about the Browns, the quarterback, kind of the main news, not really get, get deep in the, you know, the team. Um, and so um i really kind of came back to the phantom really starting probably really hardcore stuff probably 2018 somewhere in there 2019 mm-hmm. um ended up going to my first ever browns event uh it was the indianapolis game uh preseason 2019 went to training camp got to watch them kind of do their thing went to the game and this is this is the, this is the important part of my browns phantom story uh <laughs> is that uh at that at that game yeah, I'm sitting there watching. I'll tell everyone this. I'm sitting there watching, and I see this dude in the sideline just working all the time. Every play, the offensive the field, he's in the sideline just working. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? It's it's Charlie Hewlett. It's the long snapper. I'm like, all right, dude, you are put. Yeah, you're putting the work, and no one's watching you. All right, you need a fan. I'm your fan, and that's that's how I got to be a fan of Charlie Hewlett. And so, uh, you know, from there. Uh, became a season ticket holder the next year and you know, the rest is history. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of been, it's been a love, you know, the kind of love hate relationship with the Browns. You love them, you hate them. And then you, but you still want to, you know, <laughs> you still want to come back to them in the end. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been an adventure. So yeah, that, that's, my, that's my Brown story. And here I am. And I've been, social media has been kind of around about the same time, probably 2018, 2019. Um, I try to connect with fans and just kind of make, make their day positive kind of thing. I talk about a lot. I mean, not every day is, you know, rainbows and sunshine, but you know, I try to connect people. A lot of people know it's going to be okay. You can get through a bunch of stuff, just keep moving forward. And I even connect with uh, fans from around other fan bases, uh, Steelers fans, Texas. Yeah, I know Steelers fans, right? Uh, <laughs> Texans fans, <laughs> Texans fans, uh, just a few different fans around the league. We kind of talk and just, it's just really about fandom of the NFL. It's not, I mean, yes, there's teams, but, you know, in the end, we're all fans of the game. So we have a lot more yeah. in common to do than, than we don't have in common. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been an interesting, interesting journey. And seeing some people like, you know, you're, you're able to kind of win over um, from being, oh, my God, you're a Browns fan to, oh, hey, I kind of I respect your opinion. And we can actually talk because you're not like, you know, rah, 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 you know, that kind of that kind of fan. So it's been it's really been an interesting journey. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's re- it really is cool when you find fans of other teams that you can communicate with like that because 
there's a lot of them out there, but there's also the the other type, the yeah, the ones that just want to fight you all the time. So uh, yeah, you I have think, to appreciate you know, the good ones. Yeah, I think you you can have some really great discussions where they you know when someone from another you know fan base says, oh man, you guys are really you know having having some troubles with Garrett getting held a lot, like like that kind of sucks. You go. Oh my God, they see it, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like, it's not just, uh, you know, us trapping our own fandom. They see it's going on and you talk to them about, you go, Hey, well, you guys got really consistent coaching, but it seems like that, you know, this guy should have a breakout year this year, but it's not happening. We think it's going on. They, they go like, Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I have to ask, do you know, Tom Brunswick who also is in cold water? I, so I do not know him personally. Um, this sounds really creepy. Um, I have him on Twitter, <laughs> but I know that he lives across the street from my, uh, my mom and her husband, but I have not been over there to introduce myself personally. So <laughs> oh, okay. I, because she's like, Oh, do you know this guy? His name's Tom. I'm like, yeah, I met him on Twitter, but you know, <laughs> so yeah, I was just curious. So Tom, yeah. Tom's been on the podcast and yeah, he's just oh, right a on. super nice guy. Super nice guy. I think he'd be. He'd be really glad to meet you. Um, I'm, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, yeah. If, if, if I see him out there, I definitely try to say hi to him. Like, hey, I'm the guy. I've got the helmet. <laughs> yeah, <So>. yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, thanks for sharing that with us. So, uh, so it, let, let's move on to some Browns talk. Um, yeah, this is where we usually come into some Browns news. There. I don't know. There really hasn't been a whole lot of Browns news. It's kind of all about um, just, I think, the play of the Browns. Um, if I'm missing something, let me know, guys. But uh, but this this game and it was Saturday, you know. So it, it's been it's been a few days ago already. And typically before the before the podcast, I'll go back and watch the highlights, you know, to kind of refresh my memory as to what happened. I did not do that with this game. Um, this this game was not worth going back and watching highlights of again. Um, I did not feel that I deserved that punishment. Um, so, so we're just going to talk about it. Um, recollections and I mean, uh, Saints win seventeen to ten. Um, uh, Redleg, let's let you get, just go first. Just some takeaways from this game. Um, you know, you were there freezing your ass off. You know, being <laughs> yeah. a great loyal fan. Um, you know, what did you see? Yeah. So the, I mean, obviously it's been talked about the entire time. It's talked about the day of. It's been talked about since it, that. That weather was absolutely ridiculous. Um, you're talking, you know, 40 50 mile an hour gusts. And you're talking, you know, if you pull your hands out of your pockets for, you know, literally 10, 15 seconds, they're starting to ache and be cold. It's, it's just, it's, it's sapping cold. It makes you, you know, go cold, right? And so, you know, I'm sitting there bundled up. I got, you know, four or five layers of clothing on. And you look at the field and the players are, you know, wearing more or less a long sleeve t-shirt <laughs> on their arms and, you know, maybe leggings. And you can't help but figure that trying to, eat, you know, catch a ball, throw a ball like that is going to be nearly impossible because you're constantly fighting your fighting the physiology of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like it looked it looked like it was frustrating. I mean, there's several catches that got missed that should have been, you know, should have been catches. Um, 
you know, stuff like that. Um, I just, it was, it was a lackluster game. And I, if we're, you know, 34 degrees warmer, I don't know that it would have made it better. So. Yeah. So, so Jeff, we're, we're going to bring you back in here and, and get your thoughts on, uh, mm. on this, this horrendous piece of football that we watched on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I've got plenty to say about the players and coaching and, and everything, but um, my takeaway from this game is it's time to build a dome. Um, there's, there's no home field advantage in playing in shit weather like this. Um, the players obviously don't want to play in it, aren't motivated to play in it. Um, does it potentially turn free agents away from coming to cities like Cleveland, Chicago, Buffalo, Buffalo's had some pretty good success, but in general, playing outside in this kind of weather is not the romantic version of football that everybody seems to think it is. It just sucks. It sucks for the fans. It sucks for the players. And I think it hurts our franchise in general, in terms of being able to bring in talent and compete. So let's get over this foolish notion that football's played outside in the snow and build a damn dome already and stop screwing around with these below zero games. Okay. So got that off my chest. This was by far the worst game of Kevin Stefanski's career. Um, the game plan was horrible. Um, the, the timeliness of the plays was ridiculously predictable. Run, run, pass, punt. Run, run, pass, punt. Run, run, pass, punt. I mean, if I knew it was coming and everybody in the stands knew it was coming, the defense knew it was coming. And I got so sick of watching Nick Chubb bounce off his offensive lineman for no gain. Yeah. You have to be more yeah. creative than that. Okay. Um, so that, you know, from a coaching perspective, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski says I have to be better every week. This was by far his worst game, I thought. Um, players, we can go into individuals. Um, but, man, there was, there was a lot of issues going on. I mean, um, from, from the, the standpoint of players who uh, obviously didn't even want to be on the field um, at times. So, yeah. If, if that's where we are in a game that is eliminating us from playoff contention, um, we've got some real deep problems. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, well, we probably need to go back to the dome thing first. Um, uh, Red Leg, you, um, I mean, you know, you, you were at this game. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, I, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking along the lines that, that probably other fans are thinking, you know, we got this, this team coming in from New Orleans. And, and I mean, I thought when the Browns went up 7 nothing, I'm thinking, man, if the Browns can go up 14 nothing, New Orleans might just quit on this game in this cold. Yeah. I, I actually thought that. And, and then, 
you know, it just it didn't happen. The Browns were pretty much done after that. And and the Saints, you know, caught fire and scored a couple touchdowns and you know, and, and then, you know, and and that was it. So um what do you think about Jeff's uh Jeff's thought about about a dome? I mean, I think, you know, one of the one of the biggest things that kind of points to this, you know, being something that should happen is, you know, the within the first say five to six minutes of the of the quarter, the Browns made an announcement that um, you know, due to weather conditions, fans were encouraged to move to the lower bowl and take seats when everyone cheered like, oh, yeah, you know, cool. <laughs> it's, right. it's a good gesture. Um, yeah. You know, to me, it was it was kind of strange because the Browns, I mean, New Orleans is New Orleans. They're, they're what, 70 degrees in winter and they're cold. You know, the Browns yeah. spent all week practicing in cold weather. Well, colder weather than New Orleans. Presumably, we're a cold weather team. And, you know, when it really came down to it, that wind and that temperature equalized the teams to get like like he was saying, there was no advantage for the Browns there. That weather was horrendous. No one could have expected that. No one could have prepared for it. And, you know, while, you know, while I like the idea of an open stadium, you know, <laughs> you know, dome sounded real good about five minutes later. <laughs> you know, as, a, as I'm freezing yeah. there, my legs are going numb. My hands are cold, which I never get cold. I mean, it was it was a miserable time. So you know, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not opposed to the dome, or may, maybe make it retractable, partially open, partially closed. That'd be. I, I think we'd be in the middle there too. So there there were tickets for sale for this game for like two to five dollars. Um, oh man, you know, really? Um, yeah, I mean, well, secondhand, you know. On, yeah, tick pick and even you know and on yeah. other other sites um people just uh, a lot of people just didn't want any part of this cold and um yeah. you know and we'll and i understand it um i just that takes away your home field advantage i mean yeah. there couldn't have been that many people there um a lot of the times no. when they were showing the stadium it looked mostly empty i mean you're 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 looking at you know the 500s had a few people the 300s had a few more people and even when everyone moved down to lower bowls you're looking at maybe 70 80 percent capacity at lower bowl so you're looking you're looking at probably maybe ten thousand people 20 at most so so a third of the stadium yeah and you know (laughs) you know it's like getting it done yeah i mean yeah i mean and and that's not on the fans um no yeah not at all no what 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 should have tipped me off though was when I drove by the Muni lot and it was nearly empty. It was I'd never right. seen it like that. Even preseason games, I was like, "Oh, there's no one here." Like wow. it was bad. I mean, you're talking maybe one car every twenty or thirty yards, with a few people being smart enough to park together to get you know kind of semi close, maybe a little bit of windbreak there. But it was it was nearly desolated over there. So. Wow. It's just nuts. You know, I've, I've kind of flipped on this, Rob, because, you know, we, we've talked about this in the past and, and I made the statement that this was really decided, you know, 25 years ago when they talked about building a dome and, we, you know, the city could, wouldn't get behind it and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we ended up building a new Browns stadium. Uh, I, I thought that you know the, the the city just really lacked the ap- appetite to do it. Um, yeah, I think now from an economic perspective, things may have changed enough that 
we have to look at this like a business decision. And if you think about what that football stadium provides and, and what a more multi-purpose type of facility could do for our city, similar to what it's done for, for other cities that have, have built these, these giant, um, you know, stadium slash entertainment um, venues, yeah. you know, why do we have to be the ones that are always behind the curve? You know, let's, let's, let's do something dramatic and, and let's, you know, set the bar higher in Cleveland so that we can attract Super Bowls and, and other big events. Right. I mean, I'd love to see that stuff here. Uh, probably the only way I'd ever get to actually see a Super Bowl in Cleveland is if, you know, we hosted <laughs> two other teams, but um, no, I, I mean, I, I get the whole thing about, you know, like we want football's played outside and in the weather and everything. And, and I get cold below 60 degrees. So I, I'm the wrong guy to, you know, talk about being outside, you know, 20 below. Okay. But yeah, um, yeah. from, from a business standpoint, from a, what's good for the city and from the perspective of, of putting a winning product on the field. And that's really what the Browns organization should be about. It's a, it's an entertainment, you know, the, the, the whole sport of football is about entertaining people and, and, you know, having fun watching football and, and man, sitting out in the freezing cold and watching guys bounce off their line for negative yardage that ain't fun. You know, that's, that's not no. what we sign up for. You know, we, we want to see guys be able to our $230 million quarterback. We want to be able to see him complete a pass for more than two yards, you know, yeah. and yeah. this, 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 you know, this past Sunday or Saturday just convinced me that, you know, we have to do it the city of Cleveland to, and whether our football team ever gets better as a result, that would just be a benefit or a bonus benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we have to do it as a, as a city. Well, I mean, you just go ahead. Well, I think, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think what you're seeing right now is, you know, Cleveland, the team put out, well, the Hassan group, whoever it is, we'll call them the Browns. Let's say, you know, this year they put out the kind of uh, future development plans for the lake and what they plan to do, like parking and that kind of plan. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what you noticed, uh, you guys probably noticed too, is this year the Browns are advertising, even last little bit too, all kinds of non-football things in the stadium. Like they are pushing so hard right now, the Michigan versus Ohio State hockey game. That's right. going to go on like in January, February. Um, there was what a monster truck uh, thing going on. There's concerts and stuff. And I, I feel like you're seeing the Browns go or the ownership go, Hey, look, we can bring this kind of stuff. Now imagine if we build a new stadium with a dome, what we could bring in mm -hmm. and what, how we could do that and the kind of jobs and you know, that kind of stuff. So, yep. I mean, yeah, I, just, I mean, just uh, just yeah. go down the road to to Indianapolis. And, oh yeah, you know that. I think I bet there's there's always something going on at that at that dome stadium, and almost and, since and, they yeah. built that thing. And it's a nice it's a nice facility too. It's not it's it is. it's an amazing facility. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I don't have any of the numbers, but I, I can't imagine that 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 Indianapolis has lost money on on building that thing you know they, they brought they have to bring a ton of money in you know with all the things like the 
like the combine and and everything else that they host there. So, right. Um, yeah, definitely. You build a new stadium and and you play and you play what uh, you know, eleven or what maybe eleven football games there, ten eleven football games there, um, maybe yeah. twelve thirteen if you're in the playoffs, and that's it. So, um, Cleveland is is light years behind Indianapolis as a city. Um, I've spent a lot of time in downtown Indianapolis, various events and conventions mm-hmm. and stuff, and they they just they kill it. And what you've seen is uh, uh, just a huge renaissance in, in housing around downtown. And I mean, yeah. there's restaurants everywhere. There's there's entertainment. I mean, there's there's so many things going on in, in downtown Indianapolis. Um, and you know, if Cleveland could get even part way down the path to to what they've done over the last 25, 30 years. I mean, they, they played in a dome stadium before they built Lucas oil field. Um, so they were already that kind of a team, but, um, yeah, we're just, we're, we're just, we're in the dark ages here thinking that, you know, we have to be playing football in 20 below. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm going to be yeah. a strong advocate for it from here on out. I agree with you. I agree. I think we're all on the same page there. And, and then, Jeff, you're talking about the uh, the run, run, pass, punt, um, you know, to where <laughs> the to where the Saints knew what was coming. Well, the problem was the Browns knew what was coming, especially when Taysom Hill was on the field, and they still couldn't stop it. Yeah, um, that was that drove me nuts. What do you think's happening when he comes on the field? He's running the ball. And half the time, he's getting 10, 15 yards a pop, it seemed like. I mean, he ran nine yeah. nine times for 56 yards, but, man, it seemed like he ran 20 times for 200. Um, yeah. It just seemed like he, like he just took that game over. Our, our, yes. our players were uninspired all day. Uninspired is, is probably a kind word. Um, but, yeah. you know, let me just throw this out. You know you know who the, the top-rated defensive player was for the Browns in this game? Reggie Ragland. Really? Wow. Yeah. Really? That's wow. probably yeah. not a good thing, though. Reggie Ragland was the top-rated player uh, on our defense in this game. Um, wow. 91.7. Um, wow. And no one else was even close. Okay, no one else was even close. No one else was – Garrett was at 76. Okay. Um, as a team, you know, I, I thought the defense started out pretty well the first couple drives. Yeah, man, did the guys look uninspired? Um, like you know, they would have rather been standing by the heater. Uh, Reggie Ragland was the only guy on the field that I thought was putting out 100 percent effort on every snap that he was out there. And I think I texted you partway through the game, Ron, that Reggie Ragland was having one hell of a game. And maybe it's because Reggie Ragland had something to play for. Yeah, yeah, he's playing yeah. for a job, right? Yep. The rest of our quote unquote stars look completely disinterested. Offensively and defensively. So didn't didn't he uh, didn't we just ele- either we just traded for Raglan or he got elevated one of the, one of the two right? Elevated from the earth. practice squad, but he's only been on the he's practice squad for a few in. weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he's gotten very few snaps prior to this game. Yeah. 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 So, so he, I mean, no, that, you know, it it. I mean, it, it, I mean, it does speak that. well. From, a, from the linebacker perspective, it, it speaks well that, you know, we continue to get great play out of individual linebackers. Week after week after week, you know, you've got 
you've got Tony Fields having a big day. You've got Taki Taki having a big day. You know, now you've got Reggie Ragland coming in, you know, basically from the practice squad and having another big day. I mean, we're getting big days out of individual linebackers, you know, in, in, in games. Somehow. So somehow that tells me we're doing something right there. Okay. Right. But <laughs> why, you know, why, why is he the only one? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, th- I think you're right. I think it's back to that psychology of, he, you know, he has something to fight for. And these, like, and you're right. And these, the Browns are going, the rest of the team is going, yeah, I got my job. I'm, I'm secure. And eh, if we win, we win. If we don't, well, we'll be out of playoffs. We are at, we're at 0.7% anyway. Like, it's like a fall into play. You know what I'm saying? Probably like, not going to happen. Yeah. That, right. that mentality is, it's got to be infect, you know, infectious. And you got the one guy trying hard because he wants that job. Hey, I want to play, coach. Look at me. Look what I can do in this, in this shit weather. Look at me go. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a point. He looks that much better when the other guys are playing it. You know, the, eh, I have a job. <laughs> you know, I'm here kind of play level. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's probably why. But, you know, we're, we're missing so much the, the freaking spear of the team right now. You're looking at, you know, talkie talkie out. Walker's out. You know, it's just – so many good, or good core guys are just not there right now. I just, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's borderline. Like we're playing, se- almost playing second stringers now because we're so depleted. And it, <laughs> so, so this, this brings me to the next guy I want to rip into. And you guys might not appreciate this, but Miles um, Garrett got disciplined this week. He didn't start the first series mm-hmm. for team disciplinary reasons. Okay. That's been all the news since the game. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, people are all yeah. upset. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Not starting miles Garrett. He's the best player on a team. Well, God damn it. The best player on the team should be setting an example for everybody else. We're talking yeah. about Perry Winfrey being childish and, and not being a professional and, and not, you know, being prepared to do his job. And Miles Garrett's being disciplined. The best player on the team is being disciplined because he's not following team rules. Give me a break. It's, That's it's not interesting. leadership. I think I think you're probably right. I think what you're looking at is, you know, they used to have, or they may have stopped it, but it seems like they still have it, is if a player got called for a you know penalty, they're out that play and they come back. And there were there's been several times this season where Miles was it cited for it and he didn't come out because he's that star. So, you know, if he, I mean, if they're allowing that kind of mentality to take over the team, that's not, that's not a good thing. So if, if you're trying to send a message, Hey, we're a team here. We're not just miles Garrett in the defense, <laughs> you know, that could be kind yeah. of leading towards that. And, you know, so I saw something this week. Um, the, I guess, I think it was the Broncos, coach that got fired uh-huh. said something about Russell Wilson. He said, uh, he said, it's pretty damn hard to coach a guy who's got more bathrooms in his house than touchdown passes. I mean, <laughs> these guys, these guys are all so highly compensated. Um, and, and, you know, how, how do you as a, as a coach, I mean, it's not like college, right? How do you motivate these guys? Right. I mean, if if Miles Garrett wrecks his Porsche, he just goes out and buys another one. Right. It's it's like big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. How do do you as a coach 
motivate guys, particularly when it's, you know, below zero out there and they obviously don't want to play, right? What do you do to motivate those guys? How do you, as a coaching staff, how do you hold a coaching staff accountable when, when guys just obviously don't want to be professional and you've got that permeating your organization? You know, we've yeah. seen it, we've seen it over and over and over this season and, and in the past as well. And we always sort of, we, we, we tried to pin it on certain guys. Right. But I just think it, yeah. it it's, it's rampant in the organization. It, it starts at the top and, and that attitude kind of filters down that, you know, these guys can do whatever the hell they want. And, and all we're going to do is, is fire coaches when they yeah. don't get their job done. Yeah, yeah, that, that brings us to another thing, and then we'll get back to some other stats here, guys. But um, I did I did not read the article because I'm not a subscriber. But Tony Grossi had an article about out about uh, De Podesta and De Podesta pulling the strings, um, and that he's essentially controlling everything the Browns do with analytics, and that he is. Uh, I guess the insinuation is that he is kind of scripting games, um, you know, as far as how many passes are thrown and everything, the types of passes, and that uh, and that analytics says that um, runs under uh, runs of four yards or less are are worthless and all this stuff. So I don't know if either of you guys read the article or heard about this, but the whole thing kind of makes you makes you think if this is really happening then it doesn't matter who the coach is Um, (laughs) it really doesn't yeah Um, you know it doesn't matter who the coordinators are um and and how can you knock the players performance if if this is you know if if it's all being scripted you know by by one person like this so i wanted Wanted to see if either of you guys have read this and, and you know, whether you have or not, um, what kind of thoughts you have on it. So um, go, go ahead, Josh. I think Tony Grossi is desperately trying to be relevant. Um, didn't didn't Ray Farmer get suspended for texting somebody during a game and telling him what to do or something? Um yeah. I mean, if if, yeah. if the front office is is really scripting games, um, I think you're right. We don't need a coaching staff. Um, we just need headphones and you know some kids standing on a sideline with flashcards or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, we're, we're we're making analytics the boogeyman here, right? Because we, we refuse like yeah. to we refuse to acknowledge the real problems with the organization. We 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 need to identify a boogeyman, and that's you know analytics is you know the the old Denny's menu thing, right? That that mm-hmm. you know Kevin has got his nose buried in the menu, and you know he's really not paying attention to the the feelings and the emotions of the game, right? Well, you know what? Screw your feelings. Just go out there and play. Quit quit being a big baby. And, and earn your multi-million dollar contract and, and stop blaming everybody else for the fact that you're not getting your job done. Yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, go um, Red Leg, let, let's get your thoughts. And then I've got something to add to that. 
Yeah, of course. No, I, I saw a little bit of back and forth on Twitter about it, about analytics, um, that kind of stuff. I mean, he's tra- I, you know, just trying to play money ball. And, you know, I think if in a perfect world, the Browns could have consistency from week to week and not have amazing games one week and shit games the next and an average game, you know, and maybe, maybe it'd work. Maybe, it, you know, something like that. Um, do I think Podesta is really secretly, you know, pulling the strings and Stefanski's just, yes, yes, Podesta. Okay. You know, no, I, I, right. Like, I just don't think so. <laughs> think, right, right. I think the, the biggest thing really to me that the Browns, I'll say, I'll I will die on this hill. The Browns lack consistency. Right. And I think that starts like you guys are saying at the top, like we, yep. <laughs> we have a round Robin of head coaches you know, GMs and stuff. I mean, you know, people are calling for Stavancy's head and he's the winningest coach the Browns have had in how long? I mean, he's not. People are slamming Andrew Barry too. Oh yeah. Can't wait to get rid of him now. Exactly. It was like, my God, folks, we were 0-16 or, or, you know, 0-16 and and 1-15 or whatever, not that long ago. And, (laughs) you know, I, it's just like we need to have these systems in place. I mean, we look at the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's been there since the dawn of time, it seems like, you know. <laughs> He's just been there forever. And mm-hmm. through ups and downs, it's consistency. They have the same coach. You have a plan, a system. And if the Browns can stick with that, which, you know, hopefully they can. You know, I don't, I don't want another head coach next year. I don't want another GM next year. Give me, give me one system that works for five years or – you know, we're building something that time and show us progress, like winning this amount of games. Excellent. <laughs> it's better than zero. It's better than one. And, you know, we, we are, we are not that far out. We're, we're three, <laughs> we are three or four Jacoby Brissett passes and one or two Watson passes away from three or four more wins. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like we are not that far out. We definitely, they're, they're not getting them. blown out. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, Brissett overthrew a pass, underthrew a pass, and missed a coverage. That's three games we lost because those passes. <laughs> like, and then Watson's pass game, it was crap that first one. But, like, just give me some consistency. Give me coaching staff. Give me this to build these systems, instill these systems, make sure they're working, and then let's move. Like, then let's start actually getting the plug and play. What, what's actually not working? You know, because we're supposed to have Walker, we're supposed to have uh, Jakeem Grant, we're supposed to have Jacob Phillips, we're supposed to have Taki Taki, you know, all these pieces we're missing that are, you know, you know, specific that we want just aren't there. They're, you know, frustrating (laughs) because it is a system working, not working because those players are so key or is the system not working because it's the system is flawed or is it God help us? Is it both, (laughs) you know, so. Yeah, Here's the thing, that the offense under Jacoby Brissett in the first 11 <sighs> games averaged 26 points a game, Rod? 20, yeah. 25 Something. points a game, somewhere mm-hmm. in there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, the last Brissett. three games under Deshaun Watson, we have averaged 11 points a game. Yeah, um, Brissett was, what, top 10 quarterback, <laughs> like, near the entire, the entire time. Right, like, right. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, Brissett's QBR's weight is uh, um, quite a bit above what Watson's is, you know, for yeah. the season. I mean, um, I mean he, and he's played for a starting job. 
that's what he's doing right now. He's like, hey, look at me. Look what I did. I'm just the replacement. But look at the look at this team I had. Look what I did. I mean, he playing his ass yeah. off because he's at that level. So, if if we yeah. get into the first three or four games of next season, and we're still scoring 11 points a game, Oops. then I will say there's a system issue. Sure. Right now, it's an execution issue. It's yeah. Watson hasn't played in two years. It's guys haven't played with him. It's a whole bunch of other issues running around rampant in the clubhouse that, you know, guys aren't executing. And, you know, you can you can bitch and moan about play calling, which, again, I'll be the first to say Stefanski had a shitty game on Saturday. Okay. But guys have to execute. Guys have to block and tackle. Guys have to catch yeah. the ball. And it just doesn't happen consistently enough in Cleveland. That's That's the consistency yeah. that we're lacking. I feel I feel like you know I feel like really this year uh you know one of the real necrotic things going on is that we gutted player leadership. You yeah. create a situation where you had guys who were fully on following Baker Mayfield. They understood that you know he had an injured season that he was not he should not have, he probably should not have played at all. Should have gotten you know surgery and gone on. Yeah. And you know you get rid you get rid of him. You get rid of Jarvis you get rid of Jarvis Landry. You know, you shake up, you bring a controversial figure in, and you you've you've gutted the team, the player leadership in that team, who were the core, you know, seeming seemingly at least from the outside were the core guys, who everyone really looked to and said, hey, you 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 are leaders, you guys are leading this team. Period. Like it's just it's. You know, I said earlier, yeah. I said earlier this season on you know on the when I was talking to the dogs, I'm like, look here's a horror scenario. What if this year is actually a rebuilding year, not a playoff year or a Super Bowl run year? So what if this year is a playoff or not? You know, just rebuilding. It, it, this is what it's become. I mean, I heard Saturday they're saying there's a chance that Garrett and Chubb won't play the last two games because why would they? Why risk them for yeah, right. nothing? <laughs> so. Yeah, that makes sense. Um <laughs> Do, I mean, do we have a do we have a do we have a preseason team at the end of, at the end of the regular season to to get him time on the field to, to face you know to be better next year? I just, it's just it's a weird it's a, right it's a weird place to be because you understand yeah. why they wouldn't play him, but then you have an obligation to the fans to play them because I mean I love Charlie Hu to death and he does a vital thing on the you know on the field there, but very few Browns fans are coming to that game to watch Charlie Hewlett play, right? That's Miles <laughs> That's Garrett. Right. It's it's Nick Chubb. It's you know it's yeah. Cooper. Who oh Cooper's having an amazing year, right? Like what a what a steal, and like <laughs> like it's just it's a it's a weird position for the Browns to be in, you know, yet again. So yeah, but you're right about the leadership. Yeah. I mean, um, they did let those two guys go, and the problem is that um, I don't think Miles, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper. Um, uh, Denzel Ward. I don't think any of these guys are are vocal leaders. Um, I mean, you know, and I think I think teams need some guys like that. Um, I, you know I mean, they, if you if you were to put a gun to my head right now and say, "Hey, hey, Red, who is the player leader on the Cleveland Browns right now?" I would not know who to tell you at all but, in any way. Yeah. I think it was probably yeah. Jacoby Brissett when he was playing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I mean, um, and he and yeah. he may still be there in that role. He could be kind of behind the scenes, but 
Yeah, I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's nothing against these yeah, other guys. It could be, but, yeah, I mean, I, oh, no, I no, love no, Nick Chubb on the team, but he's not he's not the the kind of player to to get in other guys' faces. He's just not going to do that. He's yeah. going to go out and do his job and not complain yeah. and bust his ass yep. and do everything that's asked of him and be a role model for other players. But he's not going to be that kind of a leader. That's just who he is. I mean. I think you know his. If you watch, you know, you watch him and Hunt, and probably even to a small extent, you know, Darius Johnson. Those guys feed themselves. They feed off each other. They play for each other. They, you know, yeah. they do that kind of stuff. I mean, in a general sense, they do it for the team, but they they are like a small little compact unit within the Browns. It's like, hey, let's go. You know, it's just I just don't know who unifies the team right now. I mean, Watson yeah. isn't there yet. He's still a new guy. Um, I mean, quarterbacks are supposed to be that position. You know, the fact that yeah. the fact that Landry was such a leader. I mean, the you know the videos. You know, his first season or second season here, where he's he's in the locker room saying, "Hey, you know, this is us. This is this is our team. This is who we are, guys. This is what we do. This is how we handle things." And you look at that and you go, "Man, that's inspiring. I want I want I will I will run through a fucking brick wall for that guy." You know, that like who is that guy? I mean, even if Percent is that leader, right? Let's say, mm-hmm. I assume I assume he is. Let's right. If he is that leader, he's not he's not the the fiery kind of you know leader that say Baker that Baker was, right? Right. Brissett Brissett gets emotional after the game, he cries, which is fine. That's totally fine, but that's a different that's a different kind of you know yeah. <laughs> different kind of leader. Well, I mean so. we've got we've got a quiet running back room. I mean, yeah. uh, and and probably the quietest wide receiver room in the league. You know, these yeah. guys are, are not the typical um, the diva wide receivers. Um, they just no. they go out and, and play and they're not, you know, um, they're just not what you think of as, as the guys that are, are the divas. Um, and Amari I mean, Cooper, by the way, went over a thousand yards. Um, that was probably the most exciting thing that happened in, in the Saints game. Um, so he, yeah, he's over a thousand yards, which is cool. Um, he's been excellent. Um, DPJ's close to 800 yards, um, having a, a very nice season. Um, and Joku's yeah. playing well. So, I mean, you, you like these guys, but yeah, they're, they're not leaders. Um, they're yeah, not vocal I think, leaders. I mean, you look at, I think you look at Joku, you finally see that the Browns finally bought in to using him as the tight end one, not trying to go around him, you know? And now we've you know kind of eliminated um, the fullback from the team, which was surprising to me in the offseason. Now you got just mm-hmm. Njoku's out. There's no Johnny Stanton. There's no uh, what Janikowski. Uh, <laughs> give him the ball. He you want him tied in one. He's tied in one. And you got freaking Harrison Bryant behind him, who's also an excellent, an also an excellent tight end. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the freaky part to me is like we have a very good tight end room, and you know. If we played them like, say, the the Ravens play Andrews, my gosh, <laughs> like, just yeah. Well, I I think that's something to watch going forward. Is I think when Watson's going well, I think he does go to his tight ends a lot, and I don't think that's really there yet. He's been, you know, mostly going to to Cooper and and uh, DPJ, I think, as his favorite targets. Um, which I mean, you can't blame them. Those guys have been have been the best receivers, you know, on the team so far. Um, DPJ I don't think he's has, comfortable making those throws yet, Rod. 
Which the, ones? The, the short stuff. Uh, the, the, the short the, ones? The touch pass. I don't think he's comfortable making those pass, passes yet. Well, I think you're right because you a just, lot just of those. Watching early him on, try, to, try to hit hit somebody out of the backfield, he's spiking it in the dirt. And, I mean, yeah. it's just his touch yeah, isn't right. there. You're right. So hopefully that'll get better. But I think once he gets once he gets there on that, I think you'll see a lot of stuff to the tight end, tight ends too. On the leadership thing, I, I think yeah, just to kind of complete the thought. I mean, you, I think you guys are right that that we don't have those guys, and and, if, and when we start getting into the off season and talking about roster composition, it's got to be an area that you know if we're going to view the next two to three years as our winning window. Andrew Berry's got to figure out a way to bring in some guys who have been successful in the league who have won consistently in the league who can carry that message to these younger guys on the team that losing is not acceptable yeah that's that's the missing piece with this roster right now there's just too many guys on this team that are just willing to accept losing and until they make that go away i don't think your results are going to change i think think you're right that's right i mean if if i think one player, if he stays around, I don't know if he, I mean, he's been injured so much here. I think one player I see on the field who really wants to learn and kind of seems that leadership style uh, is Winovich. He, he has, there's something in his personality that is very, I, I don't know. It's a, like when he's out there, he's, he's giving it. He's, he wants to be out there. He's playing hard. He's doing his thing. And you, I can see him taking some kind of leadership role in defense next year. I mean, hopefully, I mean, Walker will be back, hopefully. But I just, I mean, I know a lot of Browns fans today on Twitter were, were freaking out because Watt announced his retirement. They had this, you know, pipe dream that he's going to come to Cleveland next year. And, uh, <laughs> like, uh, guys, come on. We have the money to pay him anyway, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 oh, happen. speaking of cap issues, I heard we have, like, what, $4 million for next year? <laughs> Yeah, uh, they're the Harvard uh, boys are gonna have to get creative. Let's just my gosh, yeah, they'll figure it out. It's too early to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not worrying about that. I mean, the, um, I mean, good teams find ways around the cap, anyways. So that's right. Um, so you so you can do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was just a miserable game, guys. Um, so we move on to <laughs> move on to next week, and and I believe the Browns are back to playing on Sunday. So, um, if I got that right, after two Saturday games, and Browns play the Washington Commanders. Uh, Browns at six and nine, Washington at seven, seven and one, and I guess they're still uh, still clinging to a potential playoff berth. So, uh, so it's a big game for them. Um, each of the next two weeks will be. Um, I think here. Uh, it, it seems like the quarterbacks the Browns playing now all have about the same stats. Uh, Taylor Heineke is about the same as uh, same stats. Andy Dalton had um, twelve touchdown passes, six picks, like eighteen hundred yards. I mean, he hasn't. Um, Carson Wentz played a bit there too. Um, Terry McLaurin's got a thousand uh, thousand receiving yards. He's obviously the main guy there. Um, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. They have a nice receiving core. Um, and uh, Brian Robinson, 710 rushing yards. Antonio Gibson, 546. Um, so, uh, I mean, it, it, we'll see. I mean, I think, I think when you think of Washington, you think of that defensive line. Um, 
and uh, you know the pressure that they're going to bring. So um, Browns are going to have to answer that and probably get a nice game, a nicer game than they've had recently from their offensive line. So I think that's where this game's going to be won or lost. Um, we'll see. And we'll see who even plays in this game for the Browns, like you were saying with Miles and, and Chubb. And how interested the Browns are in in winning these last two games, um, you know, I think the fans would like to see wins, but yeah, who knows about the players? Um, so, so, uh, so Jeff, what do you think? Um, what are you expecting out of this this game against the Commanders? Is the line uh, still two and a half? We're two and a half point. Um, I saw I saw Washington as a two point favorite, but yeah, it could be two. Okay. Two and a half, All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you nailed it when you said that that Washington still has something to play for, and we don't. Um, yeah. You know, we we've been on this this roller coaster of win lose win lose win lose. You know, I mean, we're we're probably due for a win. Um, but just based on what I saw Saturday and the, the way it looks like guys have checked out again, um, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to get excited about watching them. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, it, the, I had have the over under at forty and a half, so I don't know what you saw, Jeff, but that's what I saw. Okay. So, um, uh, well, back back closer to where they had been, uh, the, the the over unders had been in you know the forty plus range. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that indicates to me that they that they think there's going to be some scoring in this game. There's going to be some some touchdown passes thrown. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Somebody's got to catch the ball though. Somebody's <laughs> got to catch the damn ball. You got to catch the ball. It's going to be a little warmer, <laughs> right? I assume. I haven't looked at the forecast. I mean, I know it's getting warmer where I, where I live uh, yeah. by the weekend, so I assume it's going to be a little nicer than it was last weekend. Um, yeah, probably can't uh, help but be better. Yeah. So um. So yeah. So rain, uh, Red rain Lake is w- in the forecast for here. Rain. Oh. I don't, I don't know about in Washington. Um. Was it this game in Washington? I thought it was. I yeah, was it's like, in Washington. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. I knew it yeah, was. Yeah. This is. Yeah. We're yeah. away the last two games of the season. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I I forgot. I don't know why I was thinking that. I knew. I knew the game was in Washington. I just. I, yeah. I forgot about it. So. So um. So Red Lake, what what do you think about this game? How, what are you feeling? What do you how do you see it unfolding? Uh, I you know, if they show up and the team decides to play, I think we'll have a good game out of them. If they can, uh, if they're gonna use the game as a like a you know preseason end of season kind of game, it might be interesting to see some of the guys get chances to play and kind of show what they're worth as a kind of extended preview. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I when I look at guys, you know, you see, we, we talk, you guys talk about checking out. I mean, I I can't help but look at Jedrick Wills and go, what, where is he at? What is he doing? Does he even want to play football anymore for anyone? I just, I mean, maybe it's unfair to say that, but you, some of these plays you see going on with him, he just, he literally just doesn't block anyone, stands up and no play, doesn't pursue. And if that's kind of systemic to the rest of the team, um, you just can't help but wonder, like, what they're doing and why. So, I mean, I, if they show up and play, 
I mean, you pray, we're gonna see Watson. He's gonna be out there playing because they want they want him to get reps, want to get back in the swing of things, want him to feel you know feel the feel the way he did for you know the Texans. They want that back, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see our receivers. We'll have Coop. We'll probably have DPJ out there still working the routes. But I mean, guys like Swartz, if he's coming back, um, maybe even Felton. Felton has fallen off the face of the earth. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, where he was supposed to be all- a suppressing guy. Really, all the other running backs have. If you're looking at him as yeah. a running back and whatever, those, yeah. those guys haven't had any playing time. Yeah, John, Johnson came in what two weeks ago for a few for a series or two. Which yeah. man, I like, and I like Johnson. I mean, we we locked him up for a good contract price, and you know he is a good back. He's a starter in other places. So I I I don't know what we're gonna see. Hopefully, hopefully, if we can see a consistency over two games, they can build off that in the off season. But I mean, we got we got so much change coming up that, you know, I have I have no idea what kind of team we're going to see, you know, next year. And what what kills me the most is, you know, luckily this year we can't be like you know, a lot of the naysayers like, oh, we should finish badly that we get more draft picks or we get higher. Yeah. We don't have draft picks; they're gone. And we, <laughs> we blow them when we do have them. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> they are gone for years, guys. Like we're gonna have to like <laughs> we're gonna suck some dude, to get some graphics back or something. Because uh, oh my god, it's just it's. I mean, I know the, the weird thing is, I know that like you know, you say first round, that's first thirty two, sure, but you know each team gets one guy. But I mean, <sighs> hopefully they can find some quality in the second, third, fourth, you know, and so on. But mm-hmm. my gosh, I just I don't know what we're gonna see next year. And I don't oversee to finish off this year. Hopefully, consistency. That'd be my one hope. Consistency with a Browns victory, three hundred and nothing. <laughs> three hundred nothing. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it. Take it. Book it. Three hundred nothing Browns. Score prediction coming out early on this one. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what they actually do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously a toss up with Washington being favored by two points at home so um so yeah we'll see i obviously this is a game that the browns should be able to compete in and if watson plays well and and they play the starters um you know they should be able to do better than they did in the you know the the uh arctic temperatures you know last weekend but uh but we'll see um i think it will depend how the offense plays against um you know the washington defensive line and that so so, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I did have a thought, you know, um, I mean, we talked about leaders leaving, you know, J.C. Treader left, left, uh, you know, oh, too. Yeah. didn't get um, asked back. Um, and, uh, you know, I just wonder how much how much they miss him on that offensive line. Um, you know, maybe if not in play, but, you know, maybe more in, in leadership, too, because uh, the offensive line has struggled a bit. And uh, J.C. was a guy who was out there no matter what. You know, and that's that's leadership, you know, and, and obviously being the being the head of the players uh, association, he's probably a guy who was very, was pretty vocal in the locker room, too. So he was um, also really good friends with number six. Um, I was yeah. pretty surprised at the, at the Conklin extension. Um, yeah. I texted you about yeah. that, Rod, that it kind of caught me off guard that, you me know, I, I, I didn't see that coming. I guess it, it makes sense in hindsight, but um, you know when you talk about making this line better next year, um, you know you, you've now got four of the five guys under contract for the foreseeable future. 
Um, so there's really, and, and, you know, if if you, if you go and sign Ethan Posick, like they've been saying, um, I mean, where is the improvement going to come from? You're saying these five guys just have to play better. I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest problem there is, you know, you have, you know, you have Nick Harris was supposed to take over for Treader. He goes down, they don't bring Treader back and you're, you're playing, you know, you know, ring, you know, oh my gosh, uh, round robin with the center until you forgot that Postic's doing pretty damn good there. Yeah, you know, I like, and then it, he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, he got hurt. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I like Froholt, uh, you know, but he just not as a center. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I lost him as a as sixth man probably. Yeah, you know, or um, I don't know if he, I don't know if he can play tackle. Um, obviously, he can play uh, yeah. guard and center. Well. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's a very valuable guy to have yeah. around. But I don't know if you want him starting ten games at center necessarily. Yeah. So kind of Jeff, what you were saying about you know surprised about Conklin. My wife goes, <laughs> we were talking about this last night. She goes, she's like, I can't picture Conklin. Like she's like, who is he? Like I just <laughs> I, and, 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 right. And the thing is, when you think about it, you never. You, and this is my thought on it. You never hear about Conklin. Not false hmm. starting usually. He's just there doing his job, not getting noticed. And so I was like, yeah. "Well, do you remember? He, do you remember last year? He was the guy that um, he got hurt. But he's walking off field, and as he's walking off field, his his knee gave out. And he actually got hurt then. And said, yeah. and then the, in the first game back, he had, he like dislocated his elbow. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that guy." And I, I think that's kind of, I think that's probably kind of what the Browns seen him like. He's just in the trenches doing his job, not getting noticed, and that's kind of probably speaks to maybe his quality as a player and maybe he's doing what they want. But yeah, I, when I saw that news too, I was like, well, that's surprising. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think the, I think the improvement has to come from Wyatt Teller being more consistent through the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and, and, uh, and Jed Wills, you know, hopefully continuing to, to improve. I mean, he gets hammered a lot, but um, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know how much of that is is his play. You know, the fact that he's hopefully still growing as a left tackle in, in the NFL, and you know, and, and some of it might be the fact that we're trying to trying to compare him to to uh, to the Hall of Famer Joe Thomas when he's out there and kind of expecting him to be perfect. So, um, yeah, there there are some some chatter on Twitter that they uh, you know they armchair quarterbacks saying, well, what if we put him put him back to where he drafted him at? at you know. Was it was he was he right tackle and then went to left right he was he was yeah protecting yeah. Tua he was, like well, what if we put him back he was that to way? his blind side yeah, yeah and like like what if we put him back right. there like well that I mean if he's struggling where he's at I mean yeah maybe put him back to where his muscle memory is at is right and they'll improve and get back into it and I I don't know I don't I I don't think they're gonna flip him he and Conklin I, though God he's he's yeah he's such yeah, with, with Conklin resigning that's off the table yeah. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So it's it's such a frustration because you know he rookie year he kind of struggled a little bit because that flip, you know flipped him over there. The second year I think he did better, and this year it's just a totally totally different. I I don't know. I don't mean I I don't know. <laughs> as much as a fan can know is about as much as I know. So our our line's got to play better, and they've got to play differently with Deshaun Watson at quarterback because he just extends plays differently and 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 you have to block longer for him so 
there's going to be a whole different expectation level from the line next year. Um, and I, I hope these next few games, they're, they're learning what they have to do to, to be prepared to do that and that they can elevate. Well, I, I think you need to give Bill Callahan some time with these guys, you know, with Watson, you know, to, to kind of teach them how to play with this quarterback out there. Um, you know, I mean, we've got a great offensive line coach. He's obviously, you know, very good at his job and hopefully he can, hopefully he can, you know, continue to work with, with, uh, the guys who aren't playing at, you know, at uh, the top of their game right now. And, you know, just him knowing that, that these guys are his guys, um, and, and Watson's going to be out there. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he'll be able to work some magic, and maybe this line will look a little bit different, you know, by, uh, by the time we're a few games in the next season. That's my hope, anyways. <laughs> I think one of the you know, the crazy one of the crazy thing is, you know, when they were when Baker was still around, they talked about him, you know, needing to get the rid of the ball faster because they couldn't protect him enough. And now, like you were saying, uh, with with Watson. They're going to need to extend that even longer to let that let that develop longer and kind of you know yeah. let that play develop. So it's kind of a <laughs> it's kind well, of and, a, and it's kind of a weird yeah, thing to say. <laughs> it's completely different though from from what Baker did. I mean, Baker yeah. was a rollout quarterback. He he you know yeah. first sign of pressure he's rolling to his right. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Deshaun Watson is going to be more along the um, Lamar Jackson vein in terms of, of, of how you're going to have to support him. Um, we've, we've seen very little of that. I mean, we saw it on the touchdown on Saturday um, yeah. that, you know, he, he has that ability to, to hurt you with his legs as well. And uh, the, the line has to know when that's going to happen, you know, and, and, and how to react because all kind of bad things can start happening if, if they're blocking for him like they're blocking for Jacoby. You know, so um, it's, it is going to be a, a mental adjustment for every guy on that line um, in terms of learning how he plays. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So let's get some score predictions. I think, uh, I think Red Leg, you already gave yours 300 to nothing, was it? 300, yeah, 300 to nothing. The Browns. <laughs> And oh, would you okay. like to would you like to give something a little more official? Because I'm going to go back to last week. Um, Browns lost 17 to 10, and um, Jeff had 16 to 9 Browns winning, and Mike had 17 13 Browns winning. I don't know, Jeff. We probably ought to just split it between you two guys, right? There was I had yeah, there was no winner. There was no winner. I mean, it was. Well, there's no was, winner, but you guys were closer no. than I was. I had um, <laughs> I had Browns thirteen six. Yeah. Uh, I'm it not was like. A, yeah, I'm not taking a win on that one either because you got to pick. Right. You got to pick the right team. You you you've set that rule up long in advance. But at least with red, you know, going three hundred to nothing, you know, you and I might have a chance to steal <laughs> one this week. Yeah. For the first time all year. Yeah. Do you want do you want to give something a little more official? Yeah, I'll I'll revise this. I, I think I think your city commanders kind of be focused on this game. I think you're right. They got they have something to play for. The Browns don't. Um, unless the Browns can find something, you know, to really find something with themselves to bring it up. Um, I will go Commanders. Let's go seventeen. 
Browns, 21. Okay. Taking the under. I'm going to take them. Taking the under. I will change my score prediction because that's what I had written down for myself. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jeff. I'll (laughs) share. No, I'll pick a different score. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to pick against them this week um, because I just don't think they're motivated. I don't think they have anything left to play for. Um, I'm going to say that the uh, Commanders win this one 23-17. It's going to be nicer weather, so the Browns will probably score a little bit more than the 11 points they've been averaging the last few games. Um, but I think it's time to play the kids. I think, you know, get get the kids in there and, and, and start to do some evaluation for next season. And... Um, I'm gonna. Um, we were we were completely wrong on our on our specific predictions last week as well, Rod. But this week I'm gonna predict that Jerome Ford is gonna score a touchdown. Might be on a kick return, but I think he's gonna score a touchdown. Nice. I like that. I like that. So I, I like him. I think he's got a lot of potential too in the future for the Browns. I mean, yeah. Gosh, I'm kind of we surprised can... we haven't seen more of him yet. But I think um, yeah. I think we probably will over these last two games. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, whether it's playing uh, Kareem's role or you know, or uh, or Nick's role or, or whatever it is, I guess we'll I guess we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'll just drop down a little bit. I'm gonna go uh, Browns 17, Commanders 14. Just uh, go with a lower scoring game. I don't know why. Um, Everybody's taking the under. Yeah, I'm taking the under. The Browns, um, the Browns. I think I saw have gone under like like eight weeks in a row, or maybe that was just against the NFC East or something. But, uh, but yeah, I would pick. I'm going to go wild here and uh, I'm going to say it's going to be a defensive touchdown by the Browns. Some kind of defensive touchdown. Let's hope for it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Nice. Nice. All right. I'm not going to say anything guys, because I haven't been real successful the last few weeks. I keep calling for Nick Chubb to do stuff and he's probably not even going to play this week. So, <laughs> so, we'll see what happens. so you're saying Nick Chubb on the bench. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nick Chubb on the bench scoring three touchdowns and rushing for 200 yards. Yeah. There we go. That's Perfect. Happen. Get yep. that rushing nice, title. Nice call. Yeah. I, will, yeah. I will never forgive uh, Kitchens for denying Chubb the rushing title. My God, he should have got that. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, uh, let, let's close things out. Um, Red Leg, let me go to you for some closing thoughts. Uh, anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um. Gosh, you know, being a Browns fan is tough. You know, the off season is always our hardest time of year. Because there's so much what ifs. You know, the Deshaun Watson thing was by far the most crazy thing and that was after the the most crazy thing of baker mayfield and all that kind of stuff um but you know they're the browns we love them they could they could go oh and 16 we still love them we throw them parade um but you know we (sighs) gosh it's it's frustrating you know it's frustrating (laughs) because we want we want the best for them we like to see our guys play and have good games and you know we're so close this year to quite a few games that, you know, there are L's that could have been W's. So, but yeah, Yeah. just maintain the faith, love the team, you know, and just that's about it. You know, 
<laughs> we're along for this ride because we're fans. So <laughs> mm, that's right. Um, and again, everybody can follow you at RedlegGI. Yes, sir. Um, and find your stuff at Dog's Table. Yep, written a few articles there for sure. All right, excellent. Uh, Jeff, closing thoughts tonight. Build the dome. We're going to start a chant at every home game. Build the dome. <laughs> that works for me, guys. All right, uh, it's been a lot of fun, guys. Uh, we're gonna we'll go ahead and close it out. Uh, we thank everybody for listening. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>